Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. might be the next step in the Kevin Durant story, or this might have been here all along, and it's just now being reported. One way or another, the top story for us today here in the 5 o'clock hour on the Burns and Gambo Show is we welcome you back in, John Gambo, Dave Burns. You know the, you the Boston song? <sighs> I, I picked that up, Mitch. Usually, oh, I picked that, that up. Mitch playing Boston. Yeah. On the way back. Yeah. Impressive. Ian Begley, reporter who covers the Knicks and the Nets and the NBA for SNY TV, is reporting that Kevin Durant sees Boston as a desired landing spot per familiar people familiar with the matter. Durant also would like to play with Boston's Marcus Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you say that to the Celtics? Why do you say that? You say that because you're basically saying I'll play for the Celtics if they don't. I I would be willing to play for the Celtics if they could keep Tatum and Smart. Yep. Because we'd have a big three. Because apparently the Nets would want smart in any deal. It's like him saying, I, I, I really want to play for the Suns. He's not saying I want to play with Jason Tatum. He's not saying I want to play with Jalen Brown. It'd be like him saying, I really want to come to the Suns and play with Mikhail Bridges. Why would you say because you know they're not going to trade Booker Bo- and Paul? So you're just saying right. don't yeah, trade Mikhail Bridges. It's the same thing. I mean, he's saying I really want to play with Marcus Smart. I'm not saying I want to play with Jason. T- of course you want to play with Jason Tatum. Yeah. But you're saying Smart. It's like don't trade him. So that becomes the problem. Jalen Brown is the best player that could be traded. We've talked about this time and time again. But if you're not going to trade Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, what do they have? Well, I mean, really, what do they have? You could trade one of their centers, like you could trade. You could trade William for Williams. You could trade for Peyton Pritchard. You could trade for Derek White. I mean, either of the Williams, Grant, or Robert. You could trade for, but you know, it's it's not the it, a great package is Jalen and Marcus Smart. A decent package is Jalen and whoever else. And something else, had. yeah. In fact, that's what Boston, according to the reports, that's what Boston had offered to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant was Jalen Brown. I think it was Derek White and a couple of picks. And Brooklyn countered with, no, we want Marcus Smart, too. So you're 100% right. This is Durant's way, by leaking this information out, assuming it came from him or somebody close to him, of kind of sending a message to Boston. Hey, I'm interested in you, but don't you dare give up Marcus Smart to get me because I want to play with that guy. Your Mikel Bridges comp is spot on. I mean, that's exactly. Hey, I, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I really want to go to Phoenix, but I, I'm looking forward to playing with Cam Johnson. You know, right. don't include Cam Johnson in the deal. Right. That's all he's saying is, don't put Marcus Smart in a deal. I'll come to Boston because me, Tatum, and Marcus Smart, we're going to tear this league apart. We're going to win this thing. The Celtics are already the odds on favorite to win it. Um, but this is about the playoffs. The Celtics got beat in the NBA Finals. The Suns got beat in the NBA Finals. Those teams are looking at. Kevin Durant as the guy that gets you over the hump, so you win the NBA Finals, not lose them. Yeah, because I mean, those are the Suns, the Celtics—they're both going to be really, really good next year. Oh, no they doubt. Get Kevin Durant or not, but what both of those teams have learned in consecutive back-to-back years is that what they have might not be good enough to win a championship. That might, at the very end of the race, you just don't have enough to cross the finish line. Where the guy like Kevin Durant, it can get you over that finish line. You can finish. Now, to me, the main takeaway to the story is that Kevin Durant, if he hasn't already, is starting to expand his field a little bit, right? And is, is starting to say, now we, it had been reported by several 
that the Phoenix Suns were his chief destination, that that was where he wanted to go. We've spent all summer assuming that Kevin Durant's been doing all this to try to get to the Phoenix Suns. But we also acknowledged, man, it's going to make tough for Brooklyn to make a deal if Phoenix is the only place he wants to go, one. And number two, if Durant starts expanding his field and saying, okay, I'll go there, I'll go there, or I'll go there, then it becomes even tougher for the Suns to pull off a deal because a lot of those teams can come up with better offers than the Phoenix Suns. And that I saw this story and I thought, oh, this is bad news. This is bad news if he's saying, yeah, I'd go to Boston. Uh, yeah, I'd go to Philly. Yeah, I'd go here. Yeah, I'd go there. he knows that he can't pick one team, it's not going to work. Yeah. I've said this for so for and, so long now. And it feels like that cuts the Suns off at the knees a little bit. Like Now, it still puts Brooklyn in a position, hey, are you really going to send them to the Boston Celtics? You're in the same division. You're really going to send them to the Philadelphia 76ers? They're in the same division. But at some point, Brooklyn might not give a care about that. Like, eh, so what? I mean, we got to get what we can get for this guy because he ain't going to play for us. Yeah. It really complicates the, the situation. The Suns' best bet was he sticks to, I will either play for Miami or Phoenix. Yep. Because the Suns can make a better offer than Miami can. His best thing was, I'll either play for Miami or I'll play for Phoenix. But I'm not playing for anybody else. And then the Suns are kind of in the driver's seat. Yep. You know, it'd be like... Mitch and Eric walking into a room and they're kind of, you know, fighting over a girl, right? And we, what? Nothing. Good. It's just an analogy. I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. I'm going to try it. We're about to find I can't wait to find out. So Mitch and Eric are sitting in this room and they're, they're fighting over this girl. And the, so the girl's options are Eric and Mitch. Okay. Okay. And then me and you come walking in the room. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> oh, no. And then all of a sudden, the options are a lot better. <laughs> oh man, did you see him on the paddleboard? Oh man. <laughs> did you see how buff Gambo was on that paddleboard? I'm <laughs> uh, oh, sorry to make you laugh at the five o'clock hour. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to make the choice harder. Uh, yeah, you two all, all of a sudden you two are eliminated. And then, and then you two fifty year old guys come walking in and suddenly the girls go, Ooh, uh, you whoa, never mind. Uh, I'm impressed with myself right now. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. That was, Come on, that was that funny. Was, I had the tears streaming from my eyes. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was funny. It yeah, was, it was funny. It's like you guys are the sons in Miami, and we come in, we're Philly. And we're Philly and Boston. Boston. We got a lot more to offer. Hey, I got two words for you. Jalen Brown. Tyrese Maxey. I got two more words for you, Tyrese Maxey. Okay, well, your view of the world is, it really is. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I cracked myself Uh, up on that one. Yeah, that's that. Gambo, you're Uh, right. That's exactly what this is like. Exactly what this spot is. On. Spot on. Exactly. So in fairness, Boston and Philly are also historic franchises as well. well. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, 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 yeah. that's true. Yeah, your, your metaphor game is is on point and today. Kind of like the Suns. You've never really won anything. Oh. <laughs> wow. That means I'm the Celtics. Let's go. <laughs> Dang. Oh, you're the you're the Heat. I guess. Yeah. Which, oh wait, no, the Heat. So yeah, you're, you're the Heat, heat in culture this, in this metaphor mashup that we have going on here. Uh, I'm so, sorry. I just tried to be. No, funny. no. 
know, it's funny. It was good. Yeah, I, I, a decent I, yeah, analogy, I got, I got the tears rolling enough. from the eyes. I really did. Still, I'm drying my eyes because it was so funny. Um, look, I don't know. What's going to happen now? I don't know. But if Durant is expanding his field, I just – it comes down to does Brooklyn – do they want to avoid – keeping him in the Eastern Conference, or are they so desperate to get rid of him make the best that they'll play. take the best play and it doesn't matter where he goes to yeah, them? Because if, if it comes down to that and Durant expresses a willingness to go to Boston or expresses a willingness to go to Philly, as is reported later on in the story, and that Philly is interested and Philly might offer up Tyrese Maxey. And, and, and they have to make the best trade for you at this point. And if you're Brooklyn, it, it, it does feel like, man, we'd rather him not be in the East. But, but he's 34. And he's injured a lot, and you know what? Maybe it'll work out for us, and so we empower another team in our division to get better. But so, like, you have to make the best deal. It can't be about just shipping him somewhere where you don't have to deal with them. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line It's open for you right now at six twenty six twenty. Now, when we come back, with or without Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns are projected by some to be the very best team in the Western Conference next season, and yet nobody thinks they can win a championship. Now, why is that? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. So we just got done in the last segment talking about Kevin Durant. We've been talking about Kevin Durant, obviously, a lot all summer long, wondering if he's going to get here. But certainly, there's a world in which Kevin Durant doesn't end up with the Phoenix Suns, and that might even be the most likely outcome of all of this, that the Suns go into the season with largely exactly the same team that they ended last year with it. I'm fine with that. Albeit minus JaVale McGee, and I am too. I'm you know fine what? with it. I'm let's f- let's roll, roll it back. Let's roll say. it back and let's see what we got. And don't forget, there's always the trade deadline. Always. There's always the trade deadline. Yep. And buyouts. You, like, they can get better. The, 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 seat, the team that starts could not be – they could add somebody. Look, I had said all along that I, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, as long as one of them's on this roster next year, I'm cool. Like, I'm fine. If you don't get Kevin Durant, it certainly wasn't from a lack of effort. Clearly, the Suns have been trying, are trying to get him. But as long as you didn't lose both, then I wouldn't consider this offseason a failure. You just got to get one of those guys on the roster. They got Ayton back, and yeah, they lost JaVale McGee. And yeah, they lost Frank Kaminsky, but for the most part, this is exactly the same team as a year ago, and I'm cool with that too. It's been interesting the last couple of days to see on ESPN.com and their collection of NBA writers, some of whom we know very well, one of them we have on the show all the time, and Kevin Pelton. They've all gotten together and they're predicting what the season is going to look like in the Western Conference. Yesterday, we told you that all those writers predicted the Phoenix Suns would have the best record in the West 56 wins ahead of Golden State, ahead of the Clippers. Everybody, number one. Then today, as a follow-up, those very same writers all got together and predicted who would win the Western Conference. And not one of them picked the Suns. Not one of them. Not the NBA the Finals. Suns. The, the Western, Western Conference. Conference Finals. Not one of them picked yeah. the Suns to win. So they 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 love the Suns as a regular season team. They're going to win a ton of games in the regular season, but they're not built to win in the playoffs. So it would seem. So that's what seem. they're saying. And I got to imagine. And we talked about this a little earlier. I got to imagine that is straight. Dallas Maverick residual. That Could is, it also be they beat the Clippers without Kawhi? They beat the Nuggets mm. without uh, Jamal. Mm-hmm. They and then uh, Anthony Davis and the, was hurt and the, all the year. Lakers, the Lakers were hurt. Yeah, I mean, could it be that they? Yeah, you know, hey, listen, they kind of 
caught lighting in a bottle. They got they got they played three teams that were injured and then they lost to the Bucks. Funny that you mentioned that. Bobby Marks today on NBA Today basically said that. My concern is really probably less with Phoenix, but the whole entire Western Conference. When I look at certainly teams like Denver uh, with Jamal uh, Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Certainly the Clippers here. Um, Phoenix, one of the best team or the best team as far as in clutch situations. Mm-hmm. Can I have year two of that here? And then a little bit of kind of a makeshift bench as far as kind of you know former veterans when you look at Josh Koji and they bring back this back Biombo, Damian Lee here and um, I'm waiting for the question is DeAndre eight right rental or is he going to be here for the whole season that's going to be the big big um, question mark for me that is going to be such a question mark people are going to be asking that all year long all year long the tough part is and we, we kind of we've, we've touched on this if he plays really well you're not going to want to trade him right if he doesn't play really well nobody's going to trade for him right who goes to trade for teams don't want to pay thirty million dollars to a center. They don't want it. They want center by committee. I think that's part of why DeAndre Markets his market this offseason wasn't that great. That's exactly why. I mean, it's exactly it, why. It wasn't him. It was just $30 million for a center. He's yeah, a good no player. thanks. I'll pass. pass. Yeah. good player. I want to go the Kevin Looney route. Pay a guy $10 million, and then you know I can invest the other $20 million in other stuff. I mean, that's just that's what the teams are going that yeah. route. So it's not that he's not a good player. He's a good player. They just don't want to pay him $30 million. Yeah, but Bobby Marks was kind of going the same direction that you did. It's not so much the Suns. It's just everybody around the Suns. And I, I think he's right on the money when it comes to the Clippers, and I think he's mostly on the money when it comes to the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets will be better with Jamal Murray next year. I think the Clippers will be way better. I have, anybody who listens to this show knows I am scared to death of the Clippers next year. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, Kawhi, if Kawhi's healthy and Paul George is healthy, God, those are... Find me a better one-two punch. It's hard to find you a better one Find me a better punch. one-two. They're going to be phenomenal together. Those I, two guys? Yeah. Healthy, ready to go. Yeah. Um, Tim Bontemps, same show, NBA Today. Doesn't see the Suns making it out of the West. Obviously, the Suns have a very good team. They have everybody back. The DeAndre Ayton situation, at least for now, has been resolved with him still on the roster. But we saw Chris Paul fade as that series went along. And as Brian Winters pointed out yesterday on the show, they won 64 games because they had the greatest clutch season of all time. And we're really more of a 55-win team. So with Chris Paul a year older, with Jay Crowder a year older, with a bit of a questionable depth to me across that roster, they had everybody basically healthy all last year. The Suns are going to be really good, but I don't like them to get out of the West. But even if they regress because of the clutch time thing, 55 wins is still a really good season. 54 wins is still a really good season. No, but they are. But that's who they are. They're a they're a great they're, clutch team. Yeah, I, I know. Because I just, of Chris Paul. I, I know. I just I to the level that they were last year. I don't know if they're going to do that again. That was like historic. That was like at best some, in 26 years kind of thing. At right? some point, Paul has to take a step back. At some point, he has to he has to struggle. At age, how old is Chris Paul going to be? He's going to be 30, 38, eight? I think. Like, I, listen, I mean, he's been great for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, he got, you know, he, we owe a lot to Chris Paul. But at some point, he is not going to be able to do what he has done his first couple of years here in Phoenix. So just so I'm clear on this with everybody who's listening right now, yes, yesterday the Suns were predicted to have the best record in the Western Conference with 56 wins. Today, same writers. They've got Golden State as the favorite to win the Western Conference championship, and they got about 53% of the first place votes. They've got the LA Clippers second, with the second best chance of winning the Western Conference Finals. They got about 32% of the vote. The Suns finished third with 20 points, but they didn't get one first place vote. Not one. The Mavericks got some. The Nuggets got some. The Timberwolves got some. 
And they all finished behind the Suns in kind of their point system to figure out who was favored to win the West. They all got first place votes. The Suns didn't get one. And, yeah. and I, I think you're right. Some of it is teams around them getting better. I do think this is a direct reflection of getting spanked by Dallas in Game 6 and Game 7, too. Yeah, because the playoffs are just a different animal. I mean, it's a seven-game series. Look, they won those first two games against Milwaukee, and then they lost. They won the first two games against Dallas, and they lost. I mean, they got pushed by New Orleans. So, like, I think people look at the Suns, and they say, you know, they're not great at adjustments. Other teams have been like, Dallas made a ton of adjustments. We went over and over time and time again. We knew what Dallas was doing before they did it, and we went over it, and the Suns never really adjusted to Dallas. That's, but, but that's what happens. You could do those things. If you're the underdog, you make adjustments. The Suns are like, hey, we're the favorites. Like, you know, we've beaten this team 11 straight times, and so let's play our game and we'll beat them. And Dallas made a bunch of adjustments that the Suns weren't able to catch up to. You know, and we'll never know the answer to this. I, I've often wondered if part of the problem, too, last year was that the Suns went into the postseason as the favorites and that they were playing with more pressure on their shoulders because of they were the favorites. They were they, The burden of expectation was higher on the Suns than it was the year before. I don't want to say the year before they came out of nowhere. They were obviously really good, but nobody looked at the Suns as the favorite to get to the NBA Finals out of the Western Conference. Hell, a lot of people thought they were going to lose to the Lakers in the first round two years ago. I wonder if the, the burden of being that great all year long put a undue pressure on the Suns and, and kind of got them a little tight in the postseason. And, and that and my point is, if they're not as good during the regular season next year, that might end up being a better thing for them because it'll take some of the attention off of them. Well, you know my philosophy. I still think that to win in the playoffs, your best players have to play great. And their best players didn't play great. That's true. And, you know, Chris Paul was a no-show in a bunch of games, and I think that's why they lost. I don't think it's... I don't think they lost because of DeAndre Ayton or Mikael Bridges or Jay Crowder or... I think they lost because Chris Paul had some miserable, miserable games, and uh, and Devin Booker had struggles. So I think that's why. Was it the pressure? Maybe. I mean, maybe it was. Look, there's a lot of reasons. It's kind of like a, a a recipe, right? You're you're cooking a meal. I mean, there, there's it's a dash of this, it's a sprinkle of that, it's a cup of this, it's a half cup of that. Do I think the pressure contributed to what happened? I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think they had a lot of pressure. We were waiting, that. even through the whole New Orleans series, for them to play like their A game. Yep. And in the Dallas, I never like, saw it. We're going to get the A game from the Suns. Like they're capable of a lot more. We got it the first couple games against Dallas, and then after those, after that two zero lead, it was gone. I remember. Th- I remember even saying this. Like I like I, I don't know how Dallas is going to win a game after the first two games. Phoenix was so dominant. I don't know how Dallas was going to win a game. I know. I remember that too. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, who's going to be the second string running back behind James Conner? And before you think that's not a big deal, understand after last year, that's kind of a big deal. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We'll talk about the Cardinals in a second. I just, I got to pass along the story that our buddy Jay Feely <clears throat> tweeted out a link to, and it made me laugh. It's a, it's a story about Cairo Santos, the kicker for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Okay. It's a story from the Chicago Sun-Times, and within the story, it's pointed out that the grass at Soldier Field is so uniquely bad that kicker Cairo Santos will go out in search of poorly maintained public parks in Florida 
to kick off of because they best simulate kicking at Soldier Field in Chicago. Like he'll go to a high school, pristine high school, pristine field, pristine grass, and he'll kick and he'll be like, okay, this isn't what it's like kicking in Chicago. I need to go find the crappiest public park I can find and kick there because that's what it's like kicking in Chicago. And Jay Feely tweeted out, it's the worst field in the NFL every year. It's like a high school field. It's embarrassing. Okay, they're worth $4 billion. I know. The Bears franchise is worth $4 billion. You can't put some grass in the stadium? That works? I, I know. Like, I mean, really? Quote, they're worth $4 billion. You can't get the grass right? Quote, I was going to a turf field at a high school, which was perfect. It was almost like, okay, I'm getting too comfortable. So in my neighborhood, there's a soccer field, and the grass is Bermuda grass. It's real long. And I was like, okay, this is more like it, close quote. I mean, come on, wow. man, you're an NFL franchise. Come on. How much does it cost to take out the grass and put new grass in? Be better. Be better than that. That's crazy. That's just crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what you've heard? You've heard about, like, I've always believed that no really good quarterback wants to go to Chicago because of the wind. The wind, it's crazy there. Yeah. The wind is crazy. Yeah. Like, it makes it really hard to throw a football. That's why, what, what great what great Bears quarterback, none, none. That's why Mitchell Trubisky is in Pittsburgh right now. You don't have a good, you don't, there are no, there's no such thing as a good Bears quarterback. But the kicking thing is new. I've never heard of that. I had heard, I had always heard complaints about Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's field at Heinz Field. Like It's not Heinz Field anymore. But I had heard the grass there wasn't great. I, I had heard that about Chicago, too. I didn't realize it was that bad. I had also, no like the, gi- the Giants are kind of known for, like, well, you're about to open, the field, tunnel, open the tunnel, and, yeah, and the right. wind comes through, and you get that was it, the, the field goal. Those are the old stadium, right? That yeah. doesn't exist at the new stadium. No, like, okay, let's that. open the tunnel and yeah. whoosh, gust of wind. I know. And... We just happen to have an emergency vehicle that needs to come in right now, just as you're about to kick this 45-yard field goal that's going to be wide left. Anyway, that has nothing to do with nothing, but I saw it and I thought it was funny because I just can't believe you would actually stoop to that level if you're uh, if you're the Bears, you're the Bears kicker, that that's what you have to do to get yourself ready for the season. All right, so preseason game number one for the Cardinals coming up Friday. We already know the vast majority of the starters on both sides of the ball won't play. We will see on the defensive side, Zayvon Collins, projected starter, uh, Marco Wilson, projected starter, Dennis Gardeck projected starter. They're going to play, but most of the other guys aren't. Eno Benjamin is going to play, and I would think he's going to play a lot. And for Cliff Kingsbury, this is him yesterday, talking about Eno Benjamin. There's been a lot of talk about Eno so far this preseason. Cliff yesterday talked about his journey. Yeah, just that I think early on, um, I didn't know if he could figure it out. You know, professionalism and work ethic and understanding his role and all those things. And then each year, he's just got pretty Aggressively better, and um, one of the hardest workers on our team now at practice, and uh, always upbeat, always into it. I mean, knows his assignments. He's just really come a long way. But nothing about talent in there, right? Professionalism, work ethic. What was the third thing he said? Play like the first. Yeah, just that. I think early on, um, I didn't know if he could figure it out. You know, professionalism and work ethic, and understanding his role and all those things. And then it's not talent. No. It's not talent. You're a star player at ASU. Ethic. We need you to pick up the blitz now. You know, I need you to, yeah, professionalism and work ethic. Um, it wasn't like the kid's not a good running back. He's not a super talented kid because he was. I mean, we all saw him at ASU. He was great at ASU. He was a great ASU. I think he's the best ASU running back I had seen since J.R. Redmond. 
And there's been a lot of good ASU running backs. A lot of good running backs. Sure. Um, but I think he's the best I had seen since JR. But professionalism, work ethic, after a while, you get it. Look, you want to stay in this league. Those paychecks are nice. Those NFL paychecks are nice. That NFL pension down the road is going to be nice. You know, you figure it out pretty quickly. If you if you have the heart to do it, you got to figure out you got to work a lot harder than you did in college. Yeah, look, um, to think that this doesn't matter to the Cardinals, this does. I know we're talking about the backup running back, but Cliff is already on record. He's absolutely right in saying that for the Arizona Cardinals, they are better off when James Connors got doesn't get the bulk yeah. of the carries, doesn't get yeah. all the carries, right? That there's a there's a plan B and there's a guy out there doing it with them to kind of be the off-speed pitch to the fastball, right, for James Conner. Chase Edmonds last year had 166 rushing attempts. He added another 43 receptions. In only 12 games. Up. In only 12 in games. In only 12 games. You know, he had 159 touches in only 12 games. This matters. Eno Benjamin, potentially Daryl Williams, who we haven't heard a lot about so far during camp. Keontae Ingram, Jonathan Ward, whatever no. the answer is. Daryl Williams, yep. It matters to the Cardinals who that guy is. So before you go dismissing Eno Benjamin is, well, you know, he's fighting for a backup spot on this position. Maybe he is or maybe he's fighting for those 159 touches that went to Chase Edmonds last year. Yeah, and listen, it's you know we talked about this earlier. Like The the benefit you get that you know Benjamin's got as a seventh round pick, I mean, this is this guy's third year in the league, right? I mean, you know, we're talking about, oh, big year for Isaiah Simmons. Oh, what about Zabin Collins? And, you know, first round pick, the pressure is you got to play right away. The benefit of a seventh round pick, if you're, if you could just hang around is that you, there's patience with you. Now, a lot of guys get cut, but if you're good enough to just hang around, nobody's put any pressure on you to do, do great. I mean, so you're afforded that luxury to kind of figure out the work ethic and the maturity and, and those things where, you know, the, the pressure on the early round picks is you got to be great right away. We just spent a lot of money on you. First round pick, second round pick. I can't wait three years for you. But here we are in year three of Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin's had, what, 30 carries in his NFL career? He hasn't done anything. No. He's had like 30 carries. Yeah. And now he may get the opportunity to be the, to be the second string running back this year in his third year in the league. I think there was just this assumption, and you're right, he had 30, he, for his entire career, he's got 34 rushes for 118 yards. That's his entire, that's his entire career. I think there was just this assumption that when they got Daryl Williams that he was the guy. And maybe when it's all said and done, that's what's going to be. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be Daryl Williams because he had a thousand yards from scrimmage last year for Kansas City and he's got that kind of pedigree. But they can't stop talking about Eno over there. They can't stop. It's been nonstop. It's, it's just, there's been this constant communication about how even back in the OTAs, even back during the, the voluntary stuff and the mandatory mini camps, they've been raving about him every single day. Maybe. Hey, look. Well, what, happened, what happened when they lost Chase? They didn't, like, they went out and they drafted a running back. They went out and they signed a running back. It was like, you know, it was almost like, yeah, we don't believe in you enough right now to say that you're the second string running back, that you're going to replace. We don't. So we're going to go out and we're going to go create a bunch of competition. And somehow, I mean, he, he, look, you know, must have just worked his ass off to put himself in this position. We root for him. He's an ASU guy. I like I, him. I mean, we, we all like yeah. him. We all, we were, you're right, his talent and his skill at ASU, I mean, it was obvious every single Saturday he was out there. He was such a good, such a good Sun Devil. So we want, we like it, you know, it, it doesn't happen very often, but when the Sun Devils do good for the Cardinals, a la Pat Tillman, a la Jake Plummer, right, it's always a cool thing. I think we'd all love for Eno to be that next chapter, you know, to be another Sun Devil great to hit it 
with the Cardinals to make it with the Cardinals. So I think he's definitely got some people in this market who are rooting for him, for sure. Let's see what he can do with it. Let's see if he can make it happen. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean... It's the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of touches for that second running back. Yes, there's there a lot is. of touches, and if he goes out and he takes that opportunity, he could be in this league for a long time. Like he could be in this league for many more years if he goes out there and takes advantage of those touches. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line it is open for you at six twenty six twenty here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Now, when we come back, Diamondbacks looking to lock up yet another series victory tonight against the Pirates. We'll get you ready for the game coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com and buy Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Grilled Cheese Double Burger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. D-backs baseball coming up right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, the flagship home of the Diamondbacks. Game three of the four-game series against the Pirates. Diamondbacks have already won the first two. They look to win the series tonight. And your pitching matchup for tonight's game is brought to you by Native Interiors. Your home, your way. Let Native Interiors, the flooring experts, match up your vision to your reality. Text the word FLOORS to 620-620 right now. We'll send you a link so you can contact Native Interiors. Mitch Keller, the righty, he's getting the start for the Pirates tonight. Gambo, he's 3-8 and eight with a 4-2-1 ERA. Madison Bumgarner, who has been uneven his last couple of times out, the lefty is 6-10 and 10 with a 3.96 ERA. Yeah, the, the good news for, for the D-backs tonight is that the, the Pirates just do not play well against left-handed starters. In their last 124 games, they've only got 39 wins against left-handed starters. Wow. They've lost 85 games uh, versus a left Handed starter, uh, and with a starter with a whip better than 1.30, they're 46 and 104 in the last 150 games. So they really struggle. They're not a good road team. They don't play. They don't play well against left-handed starters. So things very much in favor for the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight. It's been a little bit of a struggle for Mad Bum lately. He's given up four earned runs or more in three of his last four outings. Like I say, he's been uneven. It wasn't been awful. Um, five and two thirds against Colorado. The no decision. The loss against Atlanta, four earned runs in six. The loss against the San Diego Padres, four earned runs in five. Just not quite the same level that we were seeing out of him in April and in early May, right? Yeah, no, I wonder, like, for a guy that played in so many high-pressure situations late in the season, you know, playing for a team like the Diamondbacks that's out of it by now, I wonder if that just, that has a factor for a guy like Madison Bumgarner. You know, a guy that is used to big games and pressure situations and things like that. You know, with the beginning of the season, you start off and you've got hope, but as the season wears on and you kind of find yourself out of it, and when the games don't have as much meaning, I wonder if that factors in with how he pitches. The uh, Let's look back at last night before we look too far ahead with this game. Um, Tommy Henry continuing this great stretch, Diamondback starters, and Diamondback pitching in general has been on the last couple of weeks. Tommy Henry was fantastic last night, getting his first Major League win. Seven innings, four hits, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. 
shutouts. He got the beer and God only yeah. knows what else shower Shaving after the game from his team. Marshmallows. Oh, and whatever, and, yeah, whatever yeah. they could find in the fridge and in the bathroom. Apparently they threw it on him last night in the clubhouse. First major league win. But he deserved it. He looked phenomenal last night. Very much in control. This is a, they, they've liked this kid for a while. Second round pick. Um, and they've, they've kind of like groomed him a little bit. Like he, he's not a guy that gets forced in, right? He's not like he's 22 years old. I think he's like 25 years old, Tommy Henry. So he's been pitching in the minors for a few years and he finally got the opportunity this year, but they've had their eye on him. Like he was, you know, Tommy Henry's a guy that they knew, I think, early in the season. If he pitches well, he's going to get an opportunity to get himself called up. And, and here he is. And I, I again, every, roll him out there every fifth day and see if he's a part of the rotation. 25 for next years year. of age. Yeah. And obviously he was more of a fully formed pitcher because they got him out of Michigan and he had yes. pitched there for a while. So he was like further along the chain a little bit. Yeah. He, he pitched very well last night. Melanson, Mark Melanson. Got that save opportunity in the ninth inning. Look, he's on the contract for next year. They certainly don't want to have to. The Dimebacks have struggled. They really have not had a solid closer to me since Brad Ziegler was here. They've tried a bunch of different guys. Fernando Rodney was good for a little bit. Brad Boxberger was. Best thing about Brad Boxberger was his walkout music, (laughs) the Johnny Cash walkout music. That was really good. Um, But other than that, they've really struggled with relief pitchers. Archie Bradley tried to close games for them, and we thought Archie'd be the guy. So it's been a while since they've had that real reliable guy. I'm not saying Melanson's going to be that guy, but he is under contract for next year, so it's hard for them to just kick him to the curb. Diamondbacks have won three straight games. They've won five of their last seven games. If you look at the National League West since the All-Star break, yeah, the Dodgers are 16-3, and which let's just think about that for a minute. They're 16-3 and since the All-Star break. The next best record, though, in the division, the Diamondbacks, 10-7. and Ahead of the Padres, who are 10 and nine. The Giants are six and thirteen. The Rockies are six and thirteen. I mean, look, this is a team that won. Soto hit his first home run for the Padres. I saw that. Yesterday. Yeah, this is a team that won fifty-two games last year in the Diamondbacks. Thirty-two wins away from matching that, and we're barely into August at this point. Yeah, and Corbin Carroll may come up, and Henry's up, and Thomas is up, and there's a lot of guys on the farm that are, you know, that that are right on the verge of coming up this year and next year. And you start to look at that, and you feel like, I mean, I really do. I'm not sugar. I think that the future is really bright for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't think they're going to contend next year, but I think the year after that, with the right moves, you know, they they could be a contending team. So you're talking about 2024? Yeah. Not, ne- yeah, not I, next that's, year. That's, that's kind of what I be think, too. Hard. Yeah. But you, get off, you, know, you'll, you need to get off that Bumgarner contract and free up some money. So that, And they'll spend money, right? Because here's the other thing. They're only spending about $100 million on the payroll. That's going to go up. They'll spend $130, $140. They can go to $150. So if, they, if they're a team that has the ability to contend, they will raise the payroll by $20, $30 million easily. They'll do that, I'm telling you. Time for uh, the look on the farm, since you mentioned the minor league system. It's brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. As we look at the minor league schedule, right now, uh, several of the Diamondbacks affiliates, in fact, they're all in action tonight. Springfield's beating Amarillo. The Sod Poodles are losing 4 nothing. That game's in the third. Bottom of the first, Reno and Albuquerque just underway. They're scoreless. Later tonight, Celia is in Modesto, and Hillsboro is hosting Spokane. Uh, do want to mention a couple of notes from the minors because these are guys that we're obviously going to be keeping an eye on over the course of the next, you know, several months, several years. Brandon Fat. 
Pfe P F A A D T. One of their pitchers they really like down at Reno. Um, in two games, started at the AAA level. He's gone 13 innings, 10 hits. He's got an ERA of 2.77. I know they're high on him. And then a guy they're obviously very high on. He's still a f- several years away. Jordan Lawler. He's nine for his last 18 with the Hillsboro Hops. He's a guy who, again, you have to think about 2024, 2025 with him. But he is a highly regarded prospect. Yeah, just think, just think about how, you know, because you think about a position like that. I mean, Nick, you know, Nick Ahmed, who hasn't barely played this year, has been out all year. And um, they, they need a shortstop of the future. Their outfield is going to be phenomenal. Like their outfield is it's so good defensively right now. Varsho looks great in right and McCarthy in left and Thomas. And then when Carroll comes up, I mean, it's just they're going to have a dynamic young outfield. I'm very excited about it. I really yeah, am. And, and we've talked about this a few times. It's the, why the importance of a guy like Tommy Henry or a guy like Brandon Fat. It's so important to the Diamondbacks because I think most of their top prospects, their really well-regarded guys, are the position players, in particular the outfielders. They need some of their pitching prospects to really kind of rise to the top, right? Because it seems like that lags a little bit behind. I mean, Corby Carroll's considered one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He was ranked number one by Keith Law. Yeah, just Jordan Lawler ago. was in his top 20. Drew Jones got three was in, in his top, top 22. 20. Yeah, yeah. Three in the top 22. Think about that. You know, it was a time when this organization did not have good prospects. They've got to build it the right way. Everybody wants them to compete. You, you, you can't. You can't just say, oh, you know, because they've mis- made those mistakes. Let's go get Madison Bumgarner. No, let's not. You know, let's go get Zach Ranky. <laughs> no, please, they, don't. Please don't. Yeah. You know, no. we, you know what you want from the Arizona Diamondbacks this year? For them not to spend a lot of money on a free agent. Like, you know, you want them to not do that. Because they're not ready. No. They're not ready. No. Not yeah, the Diamondbacks just signed this, you know, really good. For, no, no, don't sign that guy now. Wait two years and then go sign a guy like that. All right, time for your MLB standings, and they're driven by Trucks Only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks, despite the recent success, they're obviously still 26 games out of first in the National League West, and in the wild card race, they still have a long way to go in that one. They're ten and a half back with many games to play. The uh, key, Something to keep an eye on with the National League wild card race, though. The Atlanta Braves right now, are there's three teams that'll go. Right now, it's the Braves and the Phillies and the Padres. The Brewers are only one game back of the San Diego Padres for the last spot. Could you imagine? I don't know why they traded Josh Hader. I still hmm? don't know why they traded Josh Hader. They had Devin Williams, and they thought he can do the job for half the cost. And those teams are all, the Brewers have won two straight, the Padres have won two straight, the Phillies have won six straight, and the Atlanta Braves are on top of that right now. And of course, in the American League, um, the Blue Jays have the top spot, followed by the Mariners. The Rays and the Orioles are tied for the last wild card spot. (laughs) Come on, Baltimore! The Guardians and the Twins are only a half game back. So How great would that be? Did the Orioles make in the playoffs this year? It'd be fantastic. It'd be a fantastic They lost story. 162 games last year. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game. Presented by Mist America. Home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit MistAmerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. Keymaster? I could say phone home, but that would be a joke. Stealing bases. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 16 stolen bases over the last month of the season. McCarthy had his seventh stolen base last night. The Diamondbacks have been running. Lavello's got them running. The key to this game is to put the pressure on the Pirates by running. All right. That's going to do it for us. We 
are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, straight up 2 o'clock, right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.